it's not just the tactics. It's not just sending the press release. It's not just taking photos and putting them on social media. It's the strategy. It's working with your leadership team. It's providing that counsel and being considered a trusted leader. Welcome back to the Speaking and Communicating Podcast. I am your host, Roberta Andlela. If you are looking to improve your communication skills, both professionally and personally, this is the podcast you should be tuning into. Communication and soft skills are crucial for your career growth and leadership development. Whether you're about to speak in public, make a presentation at work, pitch to investors, or an entrepreneur looking to showcase your brilliance to a wider audience, you'll be glad you joined us. And by the end of this episode, please log on to Apple and Spotify, leave us a rating and a review and what you'd like for us to discuss on this show. Now let's get communicating. My guest today is Molly McGowan Gorsuch, who is a public relations specialist and the director of client engagement at Rhodes Brands for schools, especially and other educational institutions. Welcome, Molly. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. I'd love to. So my background is in public relations and communication, specifically in K-12 public education. I spent almost a decade with Henderson County Public Schools as their public information officer, and that's a mid-sized public school district here in Henderson County, North Carolina. And then throughout that process, I, you know, I learned a lot. I was part of a lot of um, really strong national and state organizations that um, taught me a lot about the public relations profession and also specifically in K-12, how it is a little bit different than in other industries. And then also through that process and through those uh, relationships, I ultimately pursued my accreditation in public relations, just got that last year, and then also uh, transitioned to a new role. And I am proud a team member at Rhodes Branding, which is um, a branding-led strategic marketing and uh, communications firm for districts, schools, independent schools, just basically the entire K-12 sector, bringing my knowledge of school comms and PR to there and their our clients. That's exciting. And what got you started on public relations? <laughs> so uh, it's actually an interesting journey and it's kind of similar to a lot of folks in PR. I actually started as a reporter. That was my dream. I wanted to be a newspaper reporter and I went to Jade School and I did that and I loved reporting and was doing that for about four years. Um, couple different beats, city reporting, and then also um, started working on schools specifically. And I became um, invested in the local school community because that's what I was covering. Um, And then from there, I made a lot of connections and I met the superintendent of of the district and a job became available in the communications for that district. And I I took it. My transition from, you know, being on the media side to then over to PR where, you know, I'm doing everything from community relations, public relations, and crisis communications, all of that for a district um, was an interesting transition, but it was really, really fun and really got me to realize that PR is, is, is my passion. So PR mm-hmm. and communications is where it's at. Yeah. You know, as the general public, when we think of public relations, we think 
okay, Hollywood scandal, somebody do damage control, or <laughs> my Hollywood movie is about to come out, make me do something that's gonna go viral so people pay attention to me sort of thing. Why do schools need public relations? PR is pretty hard to define, um, and it is kind of hard to wrap your mind around, especially if, if you're not in it um, every day. So first, I, I want to kind of define that, like across industries, PR competencies and functions are broken down to include everything from internal and external communications to the actual media relations with reporters, setting up a, a press release, sending out press releases, et cetera. Um, and then there's community relations and then publicity and special events like that. Publicity is kind of what you're talking about is getting things yeah. viral. And then of course, there's always the crisis communication and crisis and issues management, which is not the um, always the fun part of the job, but a necessary thing. And you, you need someone to be able to do that. So all of those things encompass what PR does. So you're right. A lot of people ask why, why schools? Why do we need that? Well, if you think just about the internal and external communications alone, you know, school districts are some of the largest employers in most counties and in most communities. And so if you have that many people in your workforce and you're also serving like thousands of students and families, it's really important to have really strong communications, both with your internal and external stakeholders. So guiding that is huge. And messaging and positioning your district, um, that, that's important. Part of that is brand reputation and management is key. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're a Fortune 500 company or school district, things are going to pop up that you're going to, to need to manage. Um, and having someone in that role who is, is able to handle the strategy behind it and work alongside with whoever may need to be part of that conversation. Like if, like you said, if it's a scandal, it might be with HR, it might be with bus drivers, you know, something might be happening with bus drivers and, and we're having to work with facilities. So the idea of being able to be part of all of that and be part of the trusted council too, to see what's coming down the pike. We call that issues management. There's so many things on the state, um, local and national level that impact K-12 every single day that needs to be explained and communicated accurately and um, transparently to you know parents and families and teachers, but mm. then also also, you know, other things like media relations and making sure that your message is being delivered the way that you want it to. Your your hospital. Well, we know how the media is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's why media relations is such an important part of, you know, the PR function is because it's not all, as a former reporter, I have to say, you know, not everybody's out to get you. Um, I think that's one of the things that when you get to know the people and that's what it comes down to relations right pr mm. public relations you are managing relationships and that can be divisive if you let it you know with reporters or anyone in the community but what i've found is that they're out there 
doing their job and right. the idea is like if you know what they're seeking right if you're looking if you know what kind of information they're going to need and what's going to be a good story for them but also what is going to be what is going to serve your district what is going to serve your school like meeting them in the middle and just knowing that they're doing their job and, and kind of knowing those boundaries it, it helps so i have to say i still have a lot of reporter friends that i can still run into on the street and uh, say hey how are you doing you know i'm not doing an interview today but um, it's good to see you <laughs> right yes it's the relations part which is what type of communication should you be cognizant of if you want to strengthen those relations? K-12 specific, you mean, or just in general? Just in general, and then we'll get down to K-12 specifically. Sure. Be broken down into, you know, your internal and your external communications, um, you know, with your outside with your outside stakeholders or the folks that are working within your organization those are key because both constituents, both groups are going to want different information. Every audience is different, but they're deserving of that information. So uh, that was something, you know, we were trying to, to keep in mind at the school district level, you know, knowing how your audiences want to be communicated with and the kinds of information that they are wanting um, is incredibly important i'm sorry that's okay <laughs> hi kitty <laughs> so the no like for example you know some communities of school communities their families are going to want to hear about a crisis a certain way they'd rather be formed by an immediate text message and a call whereas their emails would they would rather use um, that form of communication for say, a, a non-emergent sort of um, information, like updates, stuff like that. And whereas external communications, you know, you're going to want to prioritize the things that those audiences are going to want to know. If it's the media looking for something like what's going to be timely and relevant to them and then positioning those things differently. So I think a focus on, you know, knowing your audiences and knowing those external and internal communications is definitely a big part of what you want to be focusing on in, in any organization for PR. You certainly need to understand your audience and your customers, which brings us to the parent part, especially since the pandemic. The students had to stay home mm -hmm. to learn on Zoom. And then you have parents being worried, are they learning? Are they logged on while I go to work? And how will I know that they did their schoolwork, they attended their classes? Because I was at work. I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that was an very interesting time and a difficult time globally but uh, you know in the in the communications world everything was heightened because what was interesting there is yes you're dealing with your normal day-to-day -day, but most crisis communications are you know a short period of time right the crisis mm. happened you're prepared with a crisis communications plan ideally right um yeah. and you have you have you know your protocols and then you have your your after event and and usually that's a short period of time but what we globally were dealing with was a very extended period of time so knowing that we are doing constant crisis communications on top of um, just the normal day-to-day -day, internal, external, and all the media relations. I think that was a huge adjustment period for everyone in the communications mm -hmm. world and everyone in public relations. 
but because of that, you know, anytime we as a society go through something really difficult like that, I think we can also come out on the other end learning some new things and with new tools. Uh, so there was definitely the Zoom burnout. Um, a lot of people got way, way too um, tired of, of Zoom recordings, but I think it also showed um, room for efficiency in a lot of of meetings and day-to-day -day things that even in, in, in communications, you know, like having some of those internal uh, communication methods change within an organization, you know, like what could have maybe taken a day of organization and getting people together in one space for a meeting could now take 15 minutes on the Zoom call and then you have the rest of your day. And also to your point about knowing your audiences and what kind of information is key, like at the beginning of the pandemic, for instance, everyone was hyper aware of, you know, what their status was in their county, like, you know, whether uh, it was red or orange, you know, whatever um, level of concern they should have, what the CDC was saying. Um, and in communications, and specifically in K-12, that translated a lot into what are we communicating from the state and federal level um, mm -hmm. that parents need to know about, you know, whether they're keeping their kid home, what, um, who's in charge of, you know, testing. Is, is it the school district or is it the individual county health agency that may be doing it? So all of those things were changing rapidly, too, by, you know, sometimes by the day. So kind of navigating that allowed communicators to, I think, see, you know, what was really important to parents and constituents and what was top of mind. And as the pandemic, I don't wanna say aged out because you know it's kind of still technically here, as things progressed, you know, those needs changed. So they didn't necessarily wanna see, in, at least in our community, they didn't necessarily need to see the dashboard every day or they weren't as concerned about the numbers. They were more concerned about what we were doing within the schools to address there had been, you know, a an established level of trust because they'd been able to see over uh, a few months, at least, of, of what, what was being done. Again, that's where the communication played is like, if we're sharing information, this say what we're going to do, and then we mm -hmm. do it follow through, then that creates trust and that, um, that positive trust and engagement ultimately serves you in the long run when there are more either extended crises or a new one comes up because there's trust from your stakeholders. They're going to do what they say they're going to do. Yes. It's the actions that create the trust because you do what you said mm -hmm. you're going to do. And when it comes to parents, did you have any cases, you don't have to mention specific details, <laughs> but did you have any cases where a parent felt I wasn't let in, in the loop or I wasn't informed timelessly about something or I found out too late because as you say, everybody was just trying to navigate this period, but were right. there any concerns in that regard from parents? I think to had that concern and that was one of the main struggles and main pain points that I felt I talked to other folks in, in the profession at the time. It weighed heavily on us because we, we knew that our responsibility was to essentially these families. We were, were sharing this information. So we were tasked with getting the timely information out to them at the time that they needed it. But I think the, the thing that 
was difficult sometimes was they wanted the information before we were able to provide it in some cases like when things were changing so quickly at the cdc level um, it's a balancing act right we have to mm -hmm. share the information but only once it's been vetted and we know it's accurate because of course you know there's the tendency to want to say hey yes we've got this information let's share it well if god forbid that 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 information may there might be something inaccurate and it's gone out and maybe we've shared that we have to go back and retract it that reduces our credibility and then causes a whole other firestorm where then you know we've just done more damage than good so i think the the difficult part with that was was having to almost keep parents and families at bay to a certain certain extent um just saying like listen we know we want to be able to give you more information but either we don't have it yet which was the case in a lot of a lot of times because we were waiting for directives as well or we have it and we're figuring out you know logistically how this is going to work because you know as the changes were made whether it's changes in testing whether it's mandates you know decisions had to be made at the district level they were there were school board meetings that had to be called a special school board meetings in order to make certain changes to policies and procedures and so before we can get that finalized information out all those things have to be done so yes there were definitely times when parents were saying like i want more information we're like we hear you we want to give it to you and you're, we're going to give it to you as soon as possible but i think there were definitely frustrating times when regardless of who you were you you weren't really getting the information uh, as much information as quickly as you wanted and that's part of our culture too it's like we are used to getting it fast now so there is yeah we instant gratified <laughs> yes mm, because i can imagine i've never been in pr but i can imagine how tough it is to backtrack go on an apology tour because usually when you go on an apology tour especially we sit there rolling our eyes and going yeah back to the the media again <laughs> the narrative so yes i can imagine that you want to make sure that the story you're about to release that the information is about as accurate as possible now tell us a little bit about roads branding i'd be happy to uh well so roads branding is a full service agency for specifically for k-12 we are actually located in, in the southeast but we serve states all throughout um, the united states our work is based in in branding like knowing that you have a strong brand position and knowing where you are in a competitive landscape because k-12 has become increasingly competitive knowing where you are then allows you to build on that and create a really really strong marketing plan regardless if it's for recruitment you know you're trying to get more teachers which i think everyone is is working on right now if it's enrollment uh regarding specific programming you know, we've been doing a lot of work with career and technical education um departments specifically because cte is the future and also you know just general student enrollment as well or admissions in in private schools sometimes that looks like you know you're wanting to build your alumni base and fundraise as well so all of that plays into you know the need for for marketing and i think something you and i had talked about a while ago was like why is that necessary right why does a school district or a school need to promote themselves and it's because education has changed it's no longer the case where you're going 
to whatever school your district did for, you know, whatever. That's how it was when I grew up. But now families have so many more choices and um, changes are going on at the state levels where where families have more opportunities and, you know, vouchers or um, just school choice in general. And then the actual physical locations are popping up everywhere. So there is Mm. more choice and more opportunity. So that means competition does mean you have to really identify yourself and hold your own in in, in a position. And so that's where we come in to help you say, hey, what makes you different? Let's define that. Let's build your brand based on, you know, everything that defines you from, from messaging and visual identity and your customer experience because like that that is a huge part like again the relational experience um and then from there once you know you have a strong brand like we can market that let's share that with the community let's share that with your audiences so whether your audience intended audience is a teacher you're trying to get more teachers or if you're trying to improve enrollment numbers you know we're, we're driven by metrics we're always data informed and it's uh, helping you find finding your white space in all of your competition, owning that, and then helping you um, drive the numbers that matter to your district. I find the stuff recruiting the teacher one interesting because a lot of people starting, you know, that go to college to be teachers. Do schools struggle to get teachers currently? Absolutely, yes. Um, that is one of the big. There's a lot of factors that play into it, and honestly, that could be five podcasts, possibly 10. Some of it was during the pandemic. The jobs descriptions changed. People got burnt out. We saw a, they called it a mass exodus of um, educators and honestly, superintendents. We saw that and uh, we have a couple blog posts about that as well. But most states are sometimes struggling to pay their teachers or funding is an issue. And because funding is impacted by ADM or average daily membership or students in schools, um, then the number of students in schools is also very important. So that's why student recruitment and staff recruitment are usually the main things that um, we are tasked to help support um, in creating marketing and marketing campaigns. Um, The staff issue is, is hard. We are involved with and working with a few different districts who are going through their entire process with us of like, what like again to the relationship part, like part of your brand is the relational element. So we do this process called journey modeling, where we're taking them through their their persona or their audience's perspective of before they actually make the decision to apply to this school. Like what is their motive? What is their driver? Who are they talking to? What are the questions that they're asking? And what are the things that they're needing from you? Again, knowing your audience. And Uh then where along that journey, are you able to pinpoint, hey, you know, we don't have a touch point with them there. We can be, you know, be proactive and share something there. Or maybe here's a point along their journey where mm, we're dropping the ball a little bit or our messaging is off. Let's fix that. Because ultimately, we're sharing and what we're hearing and supporting from some of our partners is that it's not so much just getting them in the door. It's the engagement and ongoing retention that is so important because it's the teacher churn that's going to be the problem. Um, if they Once they get in the door, that's fine, but the ideal is for them to stay. Um, and if they're going to stay, it's because they're going to really like working with your district and want, feel valued as individuals and educators. So um, it's a lot, things that go into it. 
but um, th- it makes what we do when we do work with those clients in HR so um, valuable and I think um, enlightening for teams too, because they're like, oh, this is what our educators are saying, or this is what they're needing. So let's meet them there. Uh-huh. Um, and seeing the, seeing the light bulbs go off and saying, you know, okay, so now, now how do we mark that? And like, okay, now the fun marketing strategy comes in and we're going to reach them there. So yeah, we get excited about, about working with HR teams. We're actually going out, I'll be going out to um, ASPA, the American Association of School Personnel Administrators Conference in two weeks. So um, I'm excited to make a lot of connections out there and learn some more about the K-12 talent uh, space. And relations, for sure. Relations, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I'm wondering, if I was a school and my funding depended on student enrollment, I know that the law or the rule is you must only enroll students within your zone, right? There are lots of things there. Again, to the whole idea about school choice, Mm -hmm. um, that's what's changing. That's a lot of the narrative um, right now in the U.S. is that it used to be that you could only take students um, within your zone. But now the idea of being able to accept students outside of your traditional zone is another element that's making that um, school choice more competitive. So that's mm. where, you know, the funding questions come in. That's where a lot of um, I think, yes, competition can be healthy, but sometimes I think it, it, it is definitely um, making for for some hurt feelings across different schools and different industries. But that that's why it has become a bit of a, you know, some heartburn in the K-12 community. And it's definitely something that you're going to hear talked about for a while. But knowing that it's not going anywhere um, is like, what what's in our circle of control? What can we do? What can I do as a leader of my school? I can make sure that I am positioning it for success, regardless of whatever the person or the school down the road is doing, and make sure that um, I'm attracting quality talent and students and families based on what I can control in my own school. So that's where we're we're trying to to really focus our efforts and say, hey, let's let us help you because that's what we want to do. We want to amplify that. Yes, because I'm thinking if student enrollment is so key in so many factors, I'll take anybody who wants to enroll at my school. <laughs> but I can, I mean, I understand the logistics and why the rule existed in the first place. But now with all this competition, as you said, it's healthy. Yes, it needs you to step up. But there's part of it where you say, do I need to be that strict with the geographical boundaries? Yeah, and it depends on the kind of school too, right? So mm-hmm. schools and independent schools, like because they are tuition based, of course, they're, you know, it's whoever wants to pay the tuition can can get in generally. Whereas, you know, public and public charters and other schools have have rules and regulations. And I will say it changes based on the state. So uh, yeah, I can definitely say and, you know, attest from the, my time in the last few years, like it it's gotten feathers ruffled and it's gotten people very concerned. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think ultimately, and this is what we say to, to our clients or to people who ask, well, why do you serve, you know, both public or public charter and independence? Like ultimately you as a parent or you as an individual are going to do what's best for your child. Yes. We are going to work with communities and school communities that are doing the best for their for their children. So it's really like rising tides lift all ships. 
We yes. want to make sure that K-12 in the U.S. and ideally the world, you know, one day maybe we'll have that kind of impact, but um, ideally that it is sustainable and that it is providing value because ultimately the whole purpose is to build the next generation and make sure that they're going to be strong leaders. So let's help promote that in any way we can. And where we can do that is helping schools identify maybe their challenges, but then highlight where they are really strong, show their constituents what what they're made of and and become really, really strong um, brand advocates and get more students and more staff. We certainly do need strong leaders for the future. <laughs> Molly, is there something I haven't asked you yet that you were willing to share today? Oh, well, yes. I would always want to promote accreditation in public relations. I have to say that um, whether you're just starting out or um, thinking about it and you've been doing it for a while, going for the accreditation of public relations was a game changer for me and that's because it it taught me a lot not just about the the profession itself it taught me some of the things that i had learned incorrectly kind of you know learned by doing along the way um Mm -hmm. but it taught me and showed me that you know like we were talking about those competencies before it's it's not just doing the um the tactics it's not just sending the press release it's not just taking photos and putting them on social media it's the strategy it's working with your leadership team it's providing that counsel and and being being considered a trusted leader to say this is this is my area of expertise let me help shape the district or let me help shape the school or the community or whatever organization you're working for and say you know i I can handle the um, the internal need and external, and yes, I can do the social media, but but really, let me in on the strategy side because that is where we can really make impact and make mm. lasting change. Um, so that was something that um, I I truly valued. It was a great professional and personal experience, and I have to say, I give a shout out to the National School Public Relations Association because um, it was through them that I learned and I got a lot of my contacts and my mentors. Um, uh-huh. But ultimately, that was where I went um, went ahead and got pinned. So um, you can find out information about um, accreditation and public relations on both the INSPRA website or the Public Relations Society of America, PRSA. Um, lots of information and resources there. Um, and of course, if, if you're looking for a mentor or have questions about it, folks can feel free to reach out to me as well. Molly the mentor, I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will put all those details of those organizations on the show notes when this is released. But yes, we really appreciate that. And then where can we find you on social media if we want to know more about the work that you do? Well, you can find me. um, I'm on Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, um, at Molly M. Gorsuch. So M-O-L-L-Y-M-G-O-R-S-U-C-H or LinkedIn. And I can provide you that link as well for the show notes. Yes, I will certainly put those in there. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. You are so passionate about your work in communications and public relations. It literally came off the screen and I really enjoyed that. Thank you for being here today on our show. Thank you so much for letting me share and um, talk a little bit more about K-12 specifically. I've enjoyed it. Yes, we certainly love everything school related. 
Thank you, Molly. Thank you for joining the Speaking and Communicating Podcast once again. The Speaking and Communicating Podcast is part of the B Podcast Network, where there are many other podcasts that support you in being a better leader and becoming the change you want to see. To learn more about the B Podcast Network, go to bpodcastnetwork.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify, and stay tuned for more episodes to come.